So um, I was, uh, as, as many of you know, I uh, became a Christian, I've shared, when I was a sophomore in high school. And shortly after that, I surrendered to the ministry. And actually, it was to go into preaching. And so we had our youth service, and I remember preaching my first youth service. And it was kind of funny because uh, I preached uh, in, on the book of Mark, and uh, I had a lot of notes, and I was ready to go, and I was done in seven minutes. That's not going to happen this morning, <laughs> so, so don't get excited. Let's go ahead and put up the first slide, and let me ask you guys, what do you see here? Go ahead and yell out what word you see. Evil. Who said evil? That, that's good. Anybody else see evil? And some said good. It's interesting because you can look at it. I love everybody. I love the explanation. This happens all the time because people go, can't you see the evil right there? I had uh, my assistant at my office. I showed her the slide. She goes, I see cool. <laughs> I didn't know how she got that, but she saw cool. But anyway, uh, I want to let you know that things aren't always as they appear. And I want to, uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Things aren't always as they appear. And I want to start off by sharing a story with you about my mom. Um, she passed away, it'll be 20 years next year. And um, it was, um, my uncle came down and my uncle is a deacon in the Catholic Church. And so we had her burial in the Catholic Church, which was kind of interesting. Growing up as an altar boy, I knew more of the service than the rest of my family. And here I am in the Baptist Church as a minister at that time. But uh, we were there and we were planning the service, my uncle and I. And my father had passed away when I was uh, back in 1979. So I was, I think, a sophomore in college at that time. And so when my father passed away, he gave his body to science. So we never had a grave for him. So we decided we would bury my mother and my father together and give them one headstone together down in Shirts, Texas. And it was interesting because we wanted something of my father's to go in the coffin with my mom. And so we got, uh, he was a golfer, so we got one of his golf clubs, a driver, and we put that in there along with his golf sweater, and we put that in. And so we we're talking about the service. At the same time, my niece is, um, at my niece's, he had 10 children, my uncle did, Catholic family. So they had 10 children. And so they were coming up, and they came into San Antonio, and they got lost in a really bad, bad part of San Antonio to where the policemen, when they saw them asking for directions at the McDonald's, the policemen said, why are you two here? And they're short little Italian girls, you know, and looking around. So anyway, they came back. So they came back right at the time when my uncle and I were discussing the service. And so we said, we we're talking about my mom's coffin. And we said, all right, and that's when we'll put the club in the coffin. And my little nieces who had been in this horrible area of town said, what kind of town is this that you have to put the club on the coffin? Do you guys remember the club, that thing that you would put your car on your wheel? They thought we had to put one of those on the coffin to keep my mom in. Things aren't always as they appear. Let's go ahead and look at our verse for this morning. Matt read through some of it with you. I want to read this through and I want to set the stage just a little bit. Uh, the second kings. It's interesting because this is actually about three kings in this in this uh, part. Um, and so to set the stage for you, these three kings 
have been just hiking all around with the armies all over. They've been wandering aimlessly, just trying to get around of what they're going to do and get their armies. They had superior weaponry. They had superior troops, but they didn't have any water. And it's kind of interesting when you think about it that sometimes... The very simplest of things is what we as Christians forget. We try to build up everything else, but we forget water. So let's go ahead and read through this verse, uh, and let me read it to you. The king of Israel said, bad news. God has gotten us three kings out here to dump us in the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat, who was also the king of Judah, said, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere around who we can consult God? One of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is around somewhere, the one who was Elijah's right-hand man. And Jehoshaphat said, good, a man we can trust. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, went to meet him. So I think it's interesting, at this point, they're wandering all around trying to do it on their own power. And at that point, they go, Oh, well, let's find a man of God. So let's read on. Elisha addressed the king of Israel, and I love this. They bring it to him. He gets, he gets kind of a little cocky, which I think is kind of neat. I'm probably a little that way. But anyway, and he says, Elisha addresses the king of Israel. What do you and I have in common? Go consult the puppet, pu- puppet prophets of your father and mother. Never, said the king of Israel, it's God who has gotten us into this fix, dumping all three of us kings in the hand of Moab. Elisha said, as God of the angel armies lives and before whom I stand ready to serve, if it weren't for the respect that I have for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't give you the time of day. But considering, bring me a minstrel. Now, I just want to let you guys know, (laughs) when all else fails, go to the music guy. (laughs) bring me a minstrel, he said. Bring me the music guy. When a minstrel played, the power of God came on Elisha. He then said God's word, dig ditches all over this valley. I want you to realize he didn't say dig a ditch. He said dig ditches, plural, all over this valley. And here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. And then skipping down to verse 20, it says, And in the morning, it was at the hour of the morning sacrifice, the water had arrived, water pouring in from the west, from Edom, a flash flood, filling the valley with water. It's just like God he always delivers, and he over-delivers when they, when they pray to him. So what do we have to do? What is our obligation? What is our responsibility? What is our calling? Dig some ditches. That's what we have to do. But it's interesting because I think as Christians we sometimes forget about the digging some ditches part and we kind of start thinking of God as this ATM that we can just go to, that he will just go ahead and give us whatever we want. And we forget that first part of this, the deposit versus withdrawal. We forget that we have to deposit before we can withdraw. They had to dig ditches before the water would come. 
You know, I, I look at this a lot of times in digging ditches, which is basically depositing. Digging ditches and depositing are the same thing. And I think about it, uh, as I work at Need Him, I have a lot of people who come on and they'll have problems online. They'll say they want to save their marriage. These are Christian people. They'll say, I want to save their marriage. And I'll say, well, that's great. If you're the husband, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Are you loving her that much as she's seeing it? Well, I want to save our marriage. Wives, are you honoring your husband? Are you respecting him? Are you submitting to him? And, and let me share, submitting isn't laying down. And I'll give you a great example of this. My wife, Julianne, who you guys all know, is like the quietest, most wonderful person. Uh, what do we say, guys? We outkicked our coverage kind of thing. So I, I did that with my wife. Um, I'm not, I'm not proud to share this story, but Julianne, um, she's been having, and you guys have noticed she had to miss the service uh, for about three weeks, and she was having some serious stomach problems, some very serious problems. And it was getting to the part where right before she was going in to have her operation, and she was kind of nervous. And she asked me, we're laying in bed, and we do devotion every morning together, but we're laying in bed, and she goes, Honey, can you just pray for me? And I said, yeah, of of course I can. And then I realized I never had asked her if I could pray for her. I never had had that nighttime prayer with my wife right before we go to sleep. I'd never done that. I'm a minister in a church, and I'd never done that. But my wife asked me to do that. And I just bawled and prayed for her that night. And we've prayed every night since then. I want to let you know, my wife, through the urging of the Holy Spirit, gently nudged me to be a better husband. She didn't say, why aren't you a better husband? She didn't throw it in my face. Why haven't you prayed for me before? She just said to me, would you pray for me? And I don't know about you men, but... All of a sudden, I felt like the white knight. I was like, here I come to save the day. I was ready to go because my wife had asked me to pray for her. And I was there to take over that and take over that burden. One of the biggest steps in our life, in our married life, unfortunately happened three months ago. And it was all because of my wife reaching out to do that. I have other people who come on online and they'll say to me, Paul, you know, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better Christian. I want to follow God more closely. And I'll ask them, that's great. What does your quiet time look like? Well, I'm kind of busy. I don't really have time. Have you read his word? No. Well, you know, faith comes by doing, doing by the word of God. You're, you've got to read his word. And they haven't done it. So a lot of times we don't want to put in the deposit, but we want all the withdrawal. You know, that happened a lot uh, in the Old Testament. There's plenty of times that it happened. Let's take a look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and look at how deposit and withdrawal work. Deposit, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Deposit, lean not to your own understanding. Deposit in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. You know, a really good example of this is found in Luke 5 where Jesus has just got through preaching and Simon Peter is there and they're cleaning the nets and Christ comes out, everybody knows this, and he says to him, 
I need you to go back out, shove your boats out, and throw, throw the nets. And you can kind of see Simon Peter. I mean, he's a fisherman. Jesus is not a fisherman. He's a carpenter by trade. And he comes up to them and he tells them to go throw their nets out in and, and there. And you can kind of see that hesitation where Simon's leaning to his own understanding. I know that's where I get stuck a lot. I lean to my own understanding a lot. But Simon's kind of leaning there. But then it's interesting. He says to him and he acknowledges him. He said, Master, if you say so, we will do it. And they throw their nets out. Let's look at another time that this happens for us. In Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, everybody knows this for us, especially at this time that we're going through election. The deposit, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, and what's the withdrawal? We'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive our sins, he'll heal our land. At this time when we're worried about what party is right, And who's going to do the best for us? And what is God's party? The bottom line is we need to seek him. That's what he says, to seek my face. Not to worry about all the nonsense there. And I can tell you, I don't know if you of Christians have done this, but I haven't spent a lot of time on my knees praying about this election. I've talked about it. I've heard all the pundits talk about it on the different news channels, and you can get the wide variety of who's saying what. But have I really sought his face? Have I turned from my wicked ways? Have I humbled myself? Because then that's what it's going to happen. I think as Christians, we get back like they did at the beginning. They had superior weaponry, superior troops. The kings did, but they didn't have water. And isn't that what prayer is for us? Isn't that our water? Isn't that our sustenance? Isn't that the easiest, the easiest piece that we're missing as Christians is just that time with him to honestly seek his face as opposed to listening to everybody around us? So it wasn't just us. It was also uh, those in the Old Testament that had this uh, problem. But the problem is, is when we seek his face, Sometimes we just see the ditches, right? We just see the ditches. But the neat thing is, is that he sees the water. God sees the water that's going to come when we can only see the ditches. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, and we know that. Plans to prosper us. Plans to give us hope and a future. That's what God sees when we're just seeing Ditches. When we're just thinking about digging ditches, God sees what's going to happen at the end. So as we dig some ditches, I kind of nailed this down into three different areas. Personally, publicly, and professionally. And I want to park here for a second and just talk a little bit about this. We've already talked a little bit about personally how we need to dig some ditches. That we need to spend time, more time with God. That we need to possibly... Spend more time loving our spouse better. Maybe spending time making sure that our children have that true compass that's in their life. You know, coming to the Lord is not the youth minister's job. God set up the very best outreach plan when he set up the family. And I always get frustrated being in churches. And I've been in 
smaller churches. I've been in churches that have ran 7,500 on a Sunday. And what has frustrated me is the first thing we do is we get a new family in and we go, that's great. You're going to go to the women's study, you go to the men's, and children, you go to youth. And we tear them apart of that perfect place that God put us all together, that perfect outreach, which is the family, which is the family. It's you as parents who are going to set that compass for your child. So that way, when they get old and they leave the house and they're at school, when they're at school and they go out, they're going to have that compass in their life that will bring them back to the Savior and keep them close to Him. So personally, what ditches do we need to dig? Do we need to dig the ditch of making sure that we are in His Word every day, that we're spending time in prayer with Him? Do we need to dig the ditch like I had to? of making sure that I'm praying with my wife and that I'm supporting her and that I'm hearing her? And finally, do we need to dig the ditch in our personal life of making sure that we're there for our children? Uh, Let's look at the other way, on publicly. I'm very fortunate in my life that I get the chance to share Jesus every day. Every day of my life, I go online and either through a phone call, through text, or through chat, I get a chance through my company, Need Him Global, to uh, share the Lord. And I told James when we talked that I was going to do a little mini commercial for my the ministry that I'm involved in here. So excuse me for it for a moment. But I don't know how many of you here get a chance to share Jesus. It's scary. It's scary to do it face by face, face to face. I know that there's a lot of people, uh, especially in the colleges. We work with Dallas Theological Seminary, with Southwestern. We work with a lot of these seminaries and their students. And these students share with more people in a month than pastors have throughout their entire career. By the way, that's not a good thing. But through us, they're able to do that. They're able to share Jesus. This week alone, I shared with the uh, the praise team beforehand. Day before, two days before Christmas, I got to lead a young woman to the Lord. I get to do that all the time. I'm telling you, if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, please contact me. You have a computer; you can be online. You will not believe it that people will come to you and say, "My mom has beat me." This has happened. I don't know why God would do this to me. And you get the chance to take them through that path to him. Husbands and wives breaking up. This happens every day. Last year, we had a chance to talk. We had 275,000 live conversations through our volunteers and our seminary students that are signed up as our our, uh, residents there. So if you want a chance to reach out and to publicly profess your faith and you're a little bit kind of nervous about dipping your foot in the water and jumping out and going to the mall and just say, do you know Jesus? Come to me and talk to me. You want to know how we get a church really excited and growing? You get people coming down the aisle and accepting him as Savior. That's what we need to do as a church. We need people to know that this is the place that they can come and find Jesus. That is the most important thing in our lives. We may think it's other areas of our life. We may think it's having a great job, making sure things are done the correct way, but the most important calling that we have as Christians publicly 
is to share Jesus. Remember, and this is the important part. Remember, you're called to share, not called to save. We tell that to every volunteer that comes on. You're not going to save anybody. All you need to do is share. He'll take care of the rest, I promise you. So if you want to do that and you want a nice way to get into it um, in a soft way, let me know and I would love to be there. The final final way is professionally uh, that I think we need to dig some ditches. And here's one. Um, I just had a chance to go to a conference called Work is Worship. And this was very interesting to me. Did you know that 39 out of the 40 miracles that happened in the book of Acts happened in the workplace? Didn't happen in the temple. Most of Jesus' miracles and his interaction with people didn't happen in the temple, didn't happen in the church, happened in the workplace. That's where God is going to do his greatest work because you're there eight hours a day with someone. J.D. Greer says that lay people are the tip of the gospel spear. And I just love that. Lay people are the tip of the gospel spear. It's not up to James. It's not up to me. It's not up to Matt. It's not up to anybody on staff. That is our calling. We are called to share his word. And so I would challenge you in your professional life as you're at work. I'm not telling you to hit him in the head with the Bible, but, but I'm challenging you to talk to someone. When they wonder why things are going great for you, tell them. It's because of this relationship that I have. I don't worry because I have one who's already taken care of everything. Remember, I just stepped into the ministry at Needham Global a year ago. Before then, Julianne will tell you, I worked in some of the hardest areas of nonprofit work and homeless shelters and uh, children of abuse and neglect. And even in those job areas, when, in those areas of work, when people would ask me, I would share with them and I would say, you know, I, I know this is not popular and I know I'm not supposed to do it at work, but if you're asking me, I haven't shoved this on you. You're asking me, it's because I have Christ in my life. He is the most important thing to me. You'll be amazed at how people will open up. Let me, let me end with a, a, a story, kind of a difficult story for me to share. This is uh, about a friend of Julianne's of mine. I was at a church in Denver, Colorado, and I led the young adult Bible study, which, by the way, uh, we're starting that back up. You're going to meet today, and then I'm going to be helping out with that. Matt and Shelby and have asked me to help out, and I'll be leading our young adult Bible study on Thursday night. So if you're interested, if you're a couple and you want to be part of us and everything, we'd love to have you. Uh, this couple, Frank uh, Bingham family, this is uh, Frank, Macy, Garrison, and Rebecca. Um, they were part of my young adult uh, Bible study or my, my couple Bible study that we had in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Frank is brilliant. He's got his doctorate in education, uh, huge community leader, a wonderful guy, wonderful young, uh, young guy. Uh, Rebecca, his wife, was a former nurse who actually left the nursing profession to uh, take care of their children at home. Uh, so she did that. Uh, Macy, who you see is the little girl uh, in the arms there uh, of her father. Macy always, this is one of the few times I know Julianne's looking at it. Uh, one of the few times I didn't see her in a tutu. 
I mean, this child always wore a tutu and those eyes a ballerina. And then Garrison are right there. Garrison was always dressed as Superman. You can kind of see he has a little bit on him right there, that Superman thing. That's what Garrison always dressed up as like Superman. This was a great uh, family that we just loved so much and really stood behind. And then this happened. Uh, Frank, and I want you to get this picture, right on Arapahoe and 15th in downtown Denver, Colorado. Uh, Frank was standing behind, pushing the carriage with little Macy in it. Garrison was here holding the hand of his little sister as they're walking across. And Rebecca was on the other side. And a car blew through the stop sign, drunk driver, blew through and ripped his entire family and took him about a block and a half down the street. Killed them all. Frank uh, broke his shoulder from the, the stroller going by. And they rolled down the street. And I remember going to the hospital um, and being there with Frank and our pastor at that time, Dean, and his family. And Frank had just gotten out of surgery. And they had to wheel his gurney in by his wife's body so he could identify her. I can't think of a more horrible accident. This was in the headlines for a long time in Denver. In fact, I didn't realize it till I pulled it up to do this sermon uh, that it's coming up on 10 years uh, that this happened. But even through this, Frank started digging some ditches. They had the funeral at, at the church. Uh, I think there were 5,200 in the auditorium, another thousand outside and everything. And Frank asked everybody when they came to the funeral to bring a children's book. So everybody brought children's book because he loved, his kids loved to read. Macy and Garrison, they read to them, they loved to read. Frank started digging ditches. He started Bingham Books that day, which gives children's books to those that are underprivileged. He also, at that corner where his wife and family were wiped out, they put a sculpture there that has a scripture on it. You can see it on the corner, 15th and Arapahoe in Denver, Colorado. Um, right there in the heart of downtown, and the city let him do that because everybody fell in love and felt for him. But he dug a ditch and put a sculpture up there. He started speaking around. He ended up going back to school, finishing up. Remember, he already was a doctor of education and got his law degree. So he could start defending those children whose parents were lost. He could start defending against drunk drivers. He got on the governor's commission. He started digging ditches. He started digging serious ditches in his life. I guess my question to us this morning is are we digging ditches? What are we doing for the kingdom? How are we digging ditches in our life? Because you know what? My ditch is going to be completely different than your ditch. My ditch is going to be completely different than Darlene's who came up here and shared about what was going on overseas. I've never felt called to that area, but I feel called to the business area. I feel called to that area to share. And so 
Here's my invitation this morning to us. And Carol, why don't you guys come on forward and, and start getting ready. Here's my invitation to us this morning. I'm going to ask Matt to kind of come down here in front. I think uh, a couple of the elders are going to come on either side. Uh, first of all, this might be a sermon and a message that you're hearing and you don't know the Savior. And I'm here to tell you that it is the greatest thing that will happen in your life. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, we have a couple people on either side who will help you come to saving knowledge of him. But here's what else I want from you all this morning. I want you as a Christian to come on up and just pray. I want you to pray for this church. I want you to pray for our pastor who's not here. Uh, I'm going to sing through a couple verses of the song. If you want to just come on up here, you don't have to pray with anybody here. But if you want to come up, I challenge you this morning to come up and just ask God, what ditches do you want me to dig?